Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. My agent said, you know, Michael Mann would like to, to talk to you about, uh, find out whether this, you'd be interested in collaborating on this. And you know, I took a, a deep breath. And so I thought, do I really want to, to do this? Then I thought, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. You are in the front row seat to the best thriller writers in the world. And I am your official tour guide. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Like a Disney ride, but without Disney. On today's show is a gal that has become a friend of mine. We met a couple of years ago at a book signing. We then bumped into each other at Thriller Fest. And since then, she's been on my anniversary special and she's again back today. Who else but Meg Gardner and her latest book, Heat 2, co-authored with filmmaker Michael Mann. And this book is a top 10 read. There's a joke inside the show I make a comment about. We have to, I have to extend my top 10 list to 11 or bump somebody off of it. Either way, this is gonna be on your summer read. I guarantee it. You know what, without any further ado, let's get right to the good stuff. Meg Gardner on The Thriller Zone. Hey there, I was running around trying to find my glasses. <laughs> Have you ever run around and they're right on top of your head? Oh, constantly. Yes. <laughs> Not this time, but yeah. Hello, Meg Gardner. So good to see you. Hello, David Temple. Great to see you too. Let me uh, turn on airplane mode and do not disturb. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I never thought about the airplane mode. That makes so much sense. Well, leave it to my children to tell me, Mom. <laughs> Mom. Hey, speaking of, while well, I've got it in my hand. <clears throat> so I'm tweeting about your, uh, the book yesterday. I had just finished it. Oh my God, balls of fire. <laughs> and I tweeted it and our mutual friend, Don Winslow got on there and retweeted it. And yeah. And my, uh, not to name drop, but he is a buddy. Um, the coverage went through the roof. Fantastic. Um, that's well, what happens when you've got rock stars in your uh, circle. Well, that's because we enjoy doing this terrific podcast and enjoy seeing you and mm. <laughs> appreciate everything you do for all of us. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you. Um, I put on, my, I installed some new blue lighting to match the cover. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> I just, I am so curious about what's in that room back there. It's like, it's like your, your vault or something. Yeah. It's where I keep all the dead bodies. Well, everybody's no, got to have someplace. Sure. No, it's the, uh, it's the voiceover booth. Maybe what I'll do is I'll give a little tour of it. It's as you can see, it's not very big. Right. Yeah. But it's but, where I do. But it does, but it just because there is a, um, a room within a room with the door ajar, it, uh, it, it, it raises our curiosity. Mission accomplished. <laughs> ba 
By the way, I love the new profile photo. Thank you. Uh, fantastic uh, local photographer uh, who is who took my serious looking one that's in the that's on the the book jacket, but also took took that one. So, um, uh, no, he did a terrific job. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've always loved the one on the book jacket. This. And it's on my uh, my press releases for you or my marketing right. stuff. It's such a good photograph. Oh, thank you. Like I said, when you, when the kids don't catch you with your mouth open, it makes a difference. Yeah. <laughs> or asleep, napping on the couch or something, you know. <laughs> Tammy is forever running around. I'll be doing something. I am clueless. And usually I try to be clued into everything. And she'll be going around the corner with her cell phone, snapping photographs. And I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Only to find out it's on social media later. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to get to heat two uh, very shortly. I have so many things to say about it. I hope I, you enjoyed it. Listen, um, I can, I'll tell you this. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ooh and go way too much. Uh, I am such a freaking geek about books that I like. You know, this, I, I know hyperbole is not a good thing. You're a English major or something. You're way smarter than me. So if I just mix up my words, it's only because I'm excited, Meg. Okay, that's it. Well, thank you. But holy balls, it's just, <laughs> just, that's the best way I can put it is it's just so friggin' good. I'm delighted to hear that. It's one of those books, and then we're going to get off on something else because I got other things to say. Uh, it's one of those books that, and this sounds so stupid, and but I this is I always make notes, you know, when I'm working on, I'm making notes, and I always put little highlights in the book. And as you know, <laughs> I'll take a little. I know this is sacrilegious. My mother, rest her soul, would uh, it would kick me in the shins for it. But I take a highlighter and I put a tiny little line where I have my favorite lines. I did this with your books. It's your copy of the book, Dave. I know, I know, I don't know. You can do whatever you want with it, as long as you buy them. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it with the library book. Yeah. But um, it's a book that I went, I I wanted to race to the end because I I just wanted to know what was there. And then the minute I got there, I'm like, oh, I didn't want it to end. So very seldom do I do that, especially with the volume that I'm reading. But this one was that. I'm gratified to hear it, really. Cheesy Pete's. Okay. <clears throat> I do have a few things. Uh, first of all, when we last spoke or sometime back, well, you were on our anniversary special. Thank mm-hmm. you again for being on that. That was, oh, that so was fun. fun. So f- first time, first time I think I had had that many people on the show at one time and it was just, it was great. Um, but the last time we spoke before that, your house had caught on fire, something to do with a car in the garage. What is the latest there? Can we... Dish. The latest is that we are finally home. The house has been rebuilt. Uh, we don't have very much furniture in it in here. Uh, I have nothing on the floors or the wall, which is why I stole this new bookshelf out of my husband's office. Literally, <laughs> I told my son to come and help me, and he they dragged it in here so I could so I could put something behind me and not look like I'm in a hostage video. <laughs> I did one. I did one too, and I kept thinking that someone was going to ask me to hold up the newspaper with the date on it. <laughs> so, well, so yes, but if you want, um, if you wanted to do the like show your writing space, I'll I'll show you what it looks like right now because there's no rug, there's nothing on the walls, and um, my husband and son, who have both done a lot of uh, recording, 
they fixed this up as a sound booth for me. That so is to, to that deaden is awesome. the sound so I don't echo. That is so good. And you, yeah, you beat me to the punch. Show us your writing space. So thank you for that. Now, I know something about you. And I, I remember the bookcase where little Mr. Edgar was standing in the background on the last time you were on the show, just one-on-one. Where is he? It went, it's gone, but will uh-uh. be rebuilt. Okay, good. Because that built-in was so neat and so professional looking and so sexy. And um, if you want a little bit of uh, scoop, we can talk about it off mic, about sound deadening things to put in your room that make great sound deadeners that are both elegant and efficient. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to help you because I, okay. I know a little bit about that. Well, good. So the house is being, re- the whole house didn't go down. Uh, the fire did not spread through the entire house, but the the, the car exploded in the garage and set the, the garage, the attic and the roof on fire. And all of that had to be demolished. And because of um, all the firefighting foam that was put on it and the, it was a gasoline fire that then got into the insulation and the, you know, everything uh, melted everything. So, uh, and all the water took all of that down through the entire house. So we had to strip it down to the studs, take it out, rip out every single thing and uh, build. We had the, the frame, the frame remained, but we had to rebuild everything else. So uh, we're delighted to be home, even though, <laughs> even though the contractor we heard was we're having a cup of coffee this morning and heard, "Hey, good morning!" As the contractor just walked into the kitchen because that's what he's been doing for the last year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> good thing you weren't running around. Good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's. I guess there's a. There's the silver. I know you're a silver lining kind of person, so you probably see it as okay. Well, that happened because nobody got hurt. Was no one was home, right? Yeah, my husband was home. My husband oh. had just parked the car in the garage and uh, walked inside when uh, it something exploded under the hood, uh, and um, so he got out, was okay, and uh, got his phone and his computer and a pair of shoes and and ran out the door. So, uh, but we're, but we're fine. Everybody was okay. Okay, good. Wow. Wow. That is, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to imagine Paul's coming home and he's like, uh, did I gonna have a cold beer? Boom. What? Uh-huh. Pretty much. Pretty much. So, oh. uh, but the house is back and it's, uh, it's, it's absolutely wonderful to be Good. home. Good. Yeah. Well, don't change anything in that room with those sheets draped across. That is so classy. I love it. Don't change a thing. <laughs> Okay, I know that you have been uh, up to your ears in heat too. I, I uh, certainly follow you on Twitter and Instagram, and 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 this book is just everywhere you want to be. But it does beg the question, since uh, my fa- some of my favorites up here include, uh, you know, this little ditty right here. Um, I do want to know what Caitlin Hendricks is up to. She has been quiet lately. Caitlin Hendricks, who is the FBI profiler, who's the heroine of my unsub series, is on deck. So uh, there is uh, an unsub four, which will be coming. And 
after uh, heat is launched, there will be more details from that. One book at a time, man. <laughs> I know, I know, but I just, I could, I have to, I have to find out. Thank you for asking. Yes. Yeah, I'm so pulled into her. I, I love that character. I love that style. That's how I got turned on to you. It was just, and it's just, it's a roller coaster ride. Anybody who doesn't, uh, uh, who has not read that series just is missing out. There's more to come. Yeah. Um, are you going to, a lot of people are talking about Boucher Khan. Are you, uh, do you, are you going, are you a big fan? You do that? I am a big fan of Boucher Khan. Unfortunately, I cannot make it this year, but uh, it is the world mystery convention. It is a fan convention for, uh, for, uh, for readers uh, who put it on and, uh, and, and writers. It's, it's called the mystery convention, but it expands through all of uh, crime, suspense, thriller, fiction, even some nonfiction as well. And uh been to been to it in years past when there have been 2,000 people there. And for people like me who are both writers and book geeks, it's like um summer camp. <laughs> yeah. You're you're at a, you're somewhere for for a weekend where all everybody wants to do is talk about books. Um isn't that so great? It's, it's fantastic. Have you ever been? No, I was going to, my next question was, uh, wh how does that compare to, I've only been to two conventions ever, Writer's Digest up in LA a couple of years back, and then Thriller Fest, where you and I bumped into each other in 2019, and then again this past year, but never been to BashCon, don't really know the the difference between the two? Thriller Fest, and the, I'm sure the Writer's Digest conference as well, they are really, I would call them writers, con they've developed as writers conferences, which are focused on uh, the craft and the business of, of writing and publishing. So there will be uh, a, a lot of writers there, but they're talking about aspects of, of the writing craft or have editors come and talk about uh, what they're looking for and, uh, and, and how to edit your book and get it prepared for publication. So it's, 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 Writers conferences generally uh, focus on 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 that aspect of the business. Uh, con fan conventions it's a, a it's the mystery equivalent of uh, Comic Con. Mm. So it's uh, put on by fans uh, hoping to see and meet uh, and find out more from their uh, their favorite authors or talk about their favorite subgenre, whether it's hard boiled mystery or cozy crime or uh, military thrillers, whatever. And um, so as a reader, I, I love all of that as well. <laughs> Someone asked me, uh, Kelly J. Ford was on the show recently. She's coming up uh, next week and she was asking me about it. And I was I going, I said, no, because it's going to be in my backyard next year, right down, I think at the same place where they have Comic-Con probably or in that vicinity. So I'm, I'm so excited about that. Yeah. I think it'd be a good deal, and I, I'm, I've got that space uh, marked off on my calendar for next year as well. Because who, who doesn't want to come to San Diego? <laughs> um, I, I don't want to brag, but it is kind of utopia on an everyday <laughs> basis. Um, matter of fact, it's, it's, it's a shame that I have to close these blinds, but if I didn't, the sun would just pour in and beat down on me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we feel for you. <laughs> Well, if you see my uh, a lot of my photos that I do of the books and so forth, they're shot out in the backyard, usually with my hammock in the background mm -hmm. and the palm trees. And on one tiny sad note, since we last spoke, um, and if you look at my Twitter profile banner, I'm out there reading some book and Dexter's by my side. But Dexter, sadly, is no longer with us. 
What happened? Uh, we had to let him go. He had a very, we, he started these lumps on his body and we thought it was just, oh, fatty tumors. And it just went worse and worse. And he got fatter. I'm sorry. That's, 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 um, that's a hard one. I've never done anything harder in my life ever. He, uh, 13 years, man, right there by my side. Yeah. But someone told me when our, when our dog was 13, that pets trust us to make sure that they, um, have a good life and that they, they don't suffer. Oh, that's so sweet. And I'm going to bounce off of that really quickly because it's been so <laughs> fucking hard. <laughs> but, um, uh, and I know we're good enough friends that you, I do not feel, have to feel stupid about geeking out about a certain things, but I want to know every square inch about heat too, because, and it's interesting, Meg, in preparation, Friday night, we watched heat, the original heat because I wanted to refresh my mind of how much I loved it. Yeah, like I needed refreshing because I only own the DVD and I've only seen it about eight times. But then last night we watched Collateral, which Michael Mann directed with uh, Tom Cruise. And um, golly, the guy has such a vision. And and this is what's so weird, Meg, because I want to, it's, it's co-authored. I mean, there's two of you here. I want to, I'm going to off, I'm going to refer to Michael. Uh, he couldn't make it. I did try to find out if we could, but he's shooting Ferrari uh, movie. In Italy. In yes. Italy. Yeah. I'm counting on you to tell me all the inside scoop. I guess the very first thing I want to say is, and this is just so cool, is I'm not a historian on Meg Gardner, but I have, I'm familiar with all your books. I'm trying to think, did you, have you ever co-authored before? No. Yeah. So I know that's new territory. So it's a multiple phase question. I'll just break it down one at a time. What was that like collaborating with someone on a book? Collaborating with someone on a book, I had never done it and was completely happy uh, writing and controlling every single aspect of, uh, of a thriller that I was writing. But when I was approached about collaborating on this project, I really stopped and stepped back and and uh, and took a breath because number one, I'm a huge fan of Michael Mann. I'm a huge fan of Heat. I've been a fan of his uh, from from the time I can recall, and love the movie so much. Like you, I, I had probably seen it eight times before I was even uh, approached about this project, and it it doesn't age. It uh, it's always rewatchable. The action always pops. Uh, you find out something new about the characters every single time you view it, and uh, it it just it just goes. So I found out that Michael was interested in expanding the story before and after the the the, the splinter of time in the movie. And wanted to write it as a novel and wanted to collaborate with the with the, a novelist. I mean, Michael is an extremely accomplished writer. Uh, he's, you know, written a number of, you know, superb screenplays. And writing for the screen is different from writing, uh, writing just writing a, a prose on the page. Uh, number one, because the, this story is 120,000 words at least. Yeah. And that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot longer than a screenplay is. So he was moving into, we were both moving into new territory. He was writing a, a novel for the first time. I was being asked to collaborate for the first time. And uh, was I daunted? Um, that's a rhetorical question. <laughs> I just asked myself. Uh, 
There's three of us here. That's okay. When my agent said, you know, Michael Mann would like to to talk to you about, uh, find out whether this, you'd be interested in collaborating on this. And, you know, I took a a deep breath and uh, it was clear that that this would be challenging. It would be a huge project. It would be very ambitious and that it was a, a story that was extremely close to his heart because he has been around since 1995 and the characters in his mind for years before that. Um, so I thought, do I really want to, to do this? And then, um, then I thought, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I thought I've, I've always wanted to write a heist novel. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When would I ever have the opportunity to write uh, a heist novel of my dreams? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) But to, uh, to write a, a heist novel with, with the king of the the greatest heist movie ever made, in my opinion. Uh, so I got on the phone with Michael and we talked it out for a long time. He had the uh, he had the concept for the story already. He knew uh, he knew how he wanted it to, to he wanted it to be a prequel and a sequel to go back in time to before the events of Heat and uh, forward later with uh, the survivors of the film, and that he wanted this to be a both a return to to that to an iconic world, but to stand on its own. So that's what we've that's what we've done. We've got a, we've we've written a an action packed thriller that's very dramatic that will um, the viewers people who like the movie will 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 love the book. I think, yeah. but it's a standalone thriller. So anybody who is uh, is is new to it can open the book. I hope on page one and just be, you know, swept into a story of escape and, uh, and survival and redemption and crime and punishment and uh, <laughs> outlaws and the people who hunt them uh, uh, that will just uh, sweep you along uh, from, from beginning to end. So yeah. um, that's the short version. <laughs> no, well, I want to, I want to dig one step deeper, but I want to say something, then we're going to take a short break. But the one thing I want to say is um, it's very clear that your signature your wordsmithing is so evident in here, especially having read your uh, Caitlin Hendricks stuff. Very clear that your your thumbprint is on it, and how Michael's style uh, has a more uh, obvious nod towards screenplay writing because of the minimal yet concise phrasing. And <clears throat> let me take one step further because when I was reading, I'm like, what is it about this style that makes it so? propulsive Ford and so minimal, almost like an Elmore Leonard where he strips out all the stuff. And I'm like, what is it? What is it? What is it? And finally, it just hit me about two thirds of the way through. And I'm like, screenplay writer. At first I would, I've heard before, oh, you know, don't write like a screenplay writer. But I'm like, he does it in a way that you don't have to tell me every single little thing about a scene when you walk in a room, what the room looks like, what it feels like, smells like. You just kind of cut to it and and he would do you guys would do it together in a sentence or two where you you are the scene is set, you got all the emotional things set up for you, and then you just jump in with a dialogue, which is what screenplay writing is, you know. Exterior, uh warehouse, guys doing something bad. Vincent <laughs> says blank, right? And you think to yourself, well, you can't translate that to the book, but it translates perfectly if you ask me. 
Well, thank you. And uh, honestly, after we had worked on this book, we wrote, it took two years from that first phone call to, well, it will, it will already be published August 9th from that first discussion just of the the concept for the story to the you know the final draft there is probably not a single word in this in the entire novel that we didn't both go over and consider and uh, hold up and examine and sometimes hash out so uh there are definitely uh lines or paragraphs or or whatever that uh, one or the other of us uh uh is the one who had the primary hand in writing, but um, it gets it gets pretty pretty well blended. Uh, yeah. By the time the 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 final the final the final wrestle with the thing. <laughs> when we wrestled that bitch to the floor, I'll tell you what. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. When we return, Meg and I are going to dig one step deeper into the process by how she and Michael work together on T- Heat Two. So stay with us. One of the nice things about having a podcast is not only do I get to do what I absolutely love to do, but I get to influence a lot of people who are looking for other services. What do I mean by that? I was talking to a friend the other day last week and they said, hey, I heard you've got a really cool website. I I went by and I checked it out and I see that it's really kind of slick. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And I said, why? They said, well, You know, I'm trying to get into the writing business. I was wondering what you thought about the company you're working with. I'm like, authorbytes.com. They said, yeah, I heard you talk about it on the podcast. And I said, well, dude, he's a good friend, so I can call him dude. If you know anything about me, I don't talk about stuff unless I actually use it and I like it. And I use them and I like them. And, you know, they're top of the game and they really know what they're doing. It's efficient. It's attractive. It's professional. It's secure. All the things that you're looking for when you get a website, right? And uh, I think he walked away pretty convinced that he's going to sign up with AuthorBytes.com. Here's what I'm getting at. If you, like my friend, John, are looking at building a website, just leave it to the guys at AuthorBytes.com. And I'm going to go one better. Sign up for a one-year contract. You got to do that anyway, right? Right? I mean, you're, you're not just going to go, oh, I'm going to try something for 30 days. Not when you're building a top shelf website. You got to put the time in, right? So sign up for a one-year contract. Easy. Get three months free. Yeah. Oh, one more thing. Use the code, the thriller zone for that three months free. Authorbytes.com. Hey, by the way, uh, Meg, you and I were, I saw you and Don Winslow at Warwick's bookstore there in La Jolla, California. And you guys were talking about both of your books. It was a wonderful time. But here's a cool piece of news. Did you know that Warwick's is now a sponsor of The Thriller Zone? I think I might have heard a little bit about that. And that is fantastic because Warwick's is an awesome independent bookstore. And uh, I love stepping through that door. And uh, even even if I were had not written any novels that, that uh, brought me there for signings, just being in that atmosphere and knowing the staff, their care, their love for books, their attention to their customers. It's, um, it's a really uplifting place. Yeah. It's not, it's not like any ordinary bookstore. The thing I've always loved is, you know, you go into a bookstore, you just want to get lost. You want to buy books and so forth. And you think, oh, it's just books. But the way Nancy's done it is she's combined this great bookstore with a gift store and free gift wrapping and free parking around back. So all of a sudden, and then you meet the employees and everyone treats you like your family. It's like, it's almost like walking into your own living room, isn't it? 
Yeah, just another great reason to, to come to, to San Diego and to La Jolla in particular. Yeah. Yeah. And that little street that it sits on. Uh, yeah, it's it happens to be a little slice of paradise with a practical view of the ocean. But yeah, anyway, I just wanted to say it's kind of cool that we met there. Uh, they're now a sponsor. They love our show. We love them and uh, kind of makes for an all around wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. I hope to be back soon. Yes. Your favorite authors, The Thriller Zone. And now back to the show. And we are back with Meg Gardner talking about this fabulous book, Heat 2. And uh, Meg, I know this is kind of a complicated question. I hope you haven't been asked it a hundred times. But I'm curious as we talk about the process or as my Canadian friends with the process by which you two worked together. So you said two years roughly from the time you had your first phone call with Michael Mann to when it launches, which will be on the 9th. That seems like, in one sense, that seems like a long time. But really, when you think about combining the historical piece that Heat 1 was and then adding both a prequel and a sequel which is kind of a little mind-numbing. I can now understand why it took so long. Uh, and it's a big, it's a big book in the best way. It's it's it is very ambitious. It covers a lot of territory emotionally, geographically, uh, chronologically, and there was uh, there's a lot of story to tell. Even when it's uh, being told in as propulsive a way as uh, all Michael Mann stories are are told. And we had to figure out how to work together and we had to do it uh, during the worst of COVID to begin with. So we we could not get together initially uh, because uh, it was 2020. And uh, so we we had to uh, try to, uh, you know, uh, kind of scope each other out via phone call or email and, um, you know, talking through talking through the plot talking through the story talking through what he wanted it to to be what his ambitions were for it how i could bring my experience uh and sensibility uh and storytelling um uh interests to try to help him get somewhere that would be really interesting uh and dramatic and so we spent we spent a lot we spent several months just hashing out the story and doing that either on the phone sending uh background material uh, back and forth ideas you know story treatments outlines writing notes on those uh, shipping them back and forth via via email before I, I we kind of had the 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 core of where we wanted it to start and where we saw it going and i decided okay we i've just got to I've got to I've got to write some chapters here because uh, let's see let's see if I can if I can if I can do this uh, get to get inside the head of these of these characters that he's known forever and understands deeply and cares about and uh, wants to put through their paces again. So I wrote the first few chapters and sent them off and was waiting to see what uh, what he thought. And fortunately, um, I'm I'm still here. <laughs> it all it all worked out extremely well. Um, took off uh you know you know writing part of the first draft we then we started passing everything back and forth um reviewing revising and i would say as as we got further along into the process uh past the first second third draft into really revising revising it toward the the, the finished product that um 
finally, and I finally, I was able to get out to Los Angeles and sit across the desk from him for a week. So we could uh, really dig into revisions and know exactly what, uh, what was missing, what we needed to get, how we were going to get there, how we were going to amplify that, where the action was going to come. And I, I do want to tell readers that yes, this book has a number of really banging Michael Mann action sequences <laughs> yeah. that I think everybody uh, loves and would be hoping for, and that I absolutely adored writing along with him. Plus, it has all the the drama, the human heart, uh, everything else that you expect from from Heat, especially. But um, by the end, we were we were we were trading chapters. Scenes, pages, paragraphs on the phone constantly, uh, just uh, making sure we got it where we wanted it to be. Well, you know, having been in showbiz most of my life, I- I'm not easily intimidated by many people because I've been hanging around them since I was a kid. And, you know, uh, you probably felt a similar way. If I had to sit across the table from Michael Mann, I probably I'm going to go on record as saying I'm sure my palms would sweat more than a little bit because we hold certain people in such high regard. There would be certain directors we may not feel that way about, but Michael Mann happens to be, I think, in the very top of the master craftsman of his trade. So I I would love as it's kind of girl talk. I mean, there's a part of me that wants to pull you aside and go, I mean, come on, you had to freak just a little bit when you first sat down in LA and go, Jesus, I'm sitting across from Michael Mann. Oh, do you do? Of course, because yeah. he's because uh he's 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 a, he's an icon of mine. Fortunately, by then we'd been working together for for more than a year. And yeah. when you when you work together um and you see the each other's uh, strengths and skills you come to trust each other as a as a writing partner and that made everything so much easier made the writing easier it made uh sitting down with a with with our laptops easier because you know at that point it's very freeing as well that you you can uh you can offer suggestions or comments and uh and know that 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 you're going to get back uh, feedback and suggestions that uh, might not be what you've been hoping for, but you can trust. Uh, you you trust absolutely what uh, the other person is uh, is saying. So we so the work made it much easier to to, to get down and uh, by the by the ninth cup of coffee uh, <laughs> of the morning, I, nothing else mattered except the writing. Yeah, I want to back up one quick second because um, <clears throat> I want to mention a mutual friend of ours, much closer to you. Me, it's just an acquaintance, but your agent Shane Salerno. Mm-hmm. Shane, from what I know, and mostly by reputation, not from sitting down and talking about it, is a man with vision like few I've ever known read about. I mean, the way he has an ability to see things further into the future than very few I've ever seen and has the scope and imagination to create himself as well as just find people like you and like Michael to represent and know that you can trust him to take that uh, IP and thrust it into the highest, most visible place. Mm-hmm. So I want to give huge kudos to him because I'm I'm so impressed with him. But, but I mean, I'm trying to think because uh, you mentioned that when he had approached you. So I don't know how long had you been working with Shane 
period, and then I'm going to go to the next. Oh, page. a number a number of years. Okay, at least at five or six years at least okay. before before he came to me with this project. Yeah. So so when he came to you, you had enough relationship. He had done enough deals for you. You've got uh, the TV show in the works with Caitlin, the unsub, so forth. But boy, he he must. I I would love to have. I would love to have been a fly on the wall when he either picked up the phone or got in front of you and said, "Hey, Meg, girl, come here a second. You ever heard of Michael Mann? Let's talk. Yeah. Oh, no, it was no, but and he and he is he's known Michael for for decades as well, uh, and uh, knows him very well. So uh, Michael listened to him when uh, Michael was looking for someone and uh, had read Unsub and Shane said let's wanted to wanted to talk to Meg and um I'm incredibly glad that uh he listened to Shane and that Shane said listen to Michael let's and uh, see what you think <laughs> I thought yes let's <laughs> let's do this not to uh again not to name drop or I hope I'm not speaking out of school but I shot uh uh Don Winslow a uh, text over the weekend I said Don, quick question, and I try not to bother him with too much because he's busy retiring. Um, but I said, uh, did you have anything to do with this? Because, man, there, there, I feel a little bit of a fingerprint on this. And he wrote back something like, uh, unfortunately, no, my greedy little paws were nowhere near it. And I'm like, because <laughs> and we we just laughed about it because there's a there's that there's that. Uh, visceral rawness uh of the machismo you know that that grit and i'm like it, which was in his books like uh the force and so forth so just again mutual friend <laughs> that's, that's that's hilarious no that's wonderful <laughs> i think i think he actually said i think he actually said no my greedy little uh hands were not on it um so back to this and what I loved about it, and it, it took me just a split second to get into the cadence because, you know, you made a great comment. You said earlier, this stands alone by itself, because if you pick it up, you get a real good sense of what the original story was and who on the planet hasn't seen heat, I want to say. I but, will tell you, surprisingly, if, uh, I went to the Tribeca Film Festival in June where they had a retrospective showing of Heat in its new 4K Ultra HD print uh, sound design and De Niro and Pacino were there talking about it ahead of time. And so it was a just a fantastic evening in this huge uh, packed theater. Um, and there were mega fans there. They were, they were shouting lines from the movie at the actors on the stage. It was like... The, it was it was insane. However, the crowd was there was also a huge, very young contingent in the crowd who clearly were seeing the film for the first time because there comes a point near the near the very near the end. It's a quiet moment and there's a shocking twist. Uh, I, which I won't give away because I'm a very much aware now how many people are still out there experiencing it uh, for the as a brand new experience but there was just this huge gasp that rolled through the theater at this at this moment in the film and I thought okay uh, not only are, is there a whole new generation of people who are coming to this but it is still just has them by the throat you also made a comment about you didn't use the word evergreen but that's really what you were saying about heat <clears throat> and very few movies you know you look at Goodfellas and you look at uh 
a godfather. They're evergreen. Uh, all the president's men, they never, well, it's dated, but the story and the acting and the essence is so evergreen. And that's the thing. When we watched Heat again for the ninth time this past week, I watched it, you know, I'm always studying uh, as a filmmaker, I always study it in a slightly different way. And I went, you have no idea, uh, realistically, what year this is made. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't date itself in any way. I, I'm, I'm just constantly blown away by the vision of a craftsman like Michael Mann, who can tell a story that is so succinct and that it is of evergreen, but also blends this power of, you know, murder, mayhem, thievery, etc. But then all the heart and the essence just always blown my mind. And in this book, once again, that was done. Thank you. That had to be a goal. That had to be a goal. This is about uh, uh, people on both sides of the law who dedicate themselves to uh, being excellent at their profession, whether it is taking scores or hunting the people who take them. And it's about how their uh, their drive, their obsession, uh, their dedication also uh, affects and infects the rest of their lives. Uh, every other aspect of uh, of of what of what they who they are it uh, it it just seeps into their you know the, to their personal lives and uh, and sometimes um, exciting sometimes deadly ways. You know that famous line that De Niro delivers <clears throat> in the cafe, Kate Mandelini's, I think it is. And he's talking to Pacino and he says that line, something about you have to be ready to walk out in 30 seconds when the heat comes. And it's such a, it's such a powerful and poignant line. And then you see that his character, this is, this is one of the greatest things about this book. So I'm watching Heat and I'm seeing that line again, Meg, and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, of course, you're that guy. You want to be able to just drop and run. And you see that happen in a scene when he's going in to uh, have uh, some dealings with uh, Mangro, right, uh, at the hotel. And he wants to have a little bit of unfinished business. That's in the movie. Yet in the book. Uh, I always wondered, was De Niro, uh, Neil McCauley, was he always that way? Was he always that cut and dry? And then you find this great love story. And I was like, oh, my God, this is magnificent. Yeah, the Neil in the book, it's uh, is he's younger. He's uh, volatile. He's dangerous. He's not that long out of Folsom prison. Yeah. And uh, he's still angry. He's trying to figure out how to be out in the wild, so to speak. And he's not the guy in the movie yet who says, uh, have no attachments, let nothing be in your life that you were not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner. And uh we see uh, see what he was like uh, like at other moments, and that scene. I'm not going to spoil anything. <laughs> no, I was going to say that scene without spoiling it. That you really get to see his heart is like nothing else in the book, and it it haunted me. Uh, it just it hung over me, and I was like, wow. Because anybody who's had a real true love of a lifetime can appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, just crazy. All right, we're going to take another really short break, but when we come back, we're going to add one of our special features to the show, which is If This Scene Could Talk. Stay with us. 
And we're back with Meg Gardner on The Thriller Zone. I'm David Temple. This is Meg Gardner. The book is, of course, Heat 2. Um, we're raving about it. I can't. I cannot rave more about it. Um, <laughs> tell me, Tammy. <laughs> oh, please. Just, uh, just shower me with gratuitous praise. <laughs> You're wonderful. I love you. You're so talented. Oh, my gosh. You and Michael, just my new heroes. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. No, but seriously, I was telling Tammy this weekend, she was laughing. I, we were talking about this. Uh, I want to come out with this top 10 summer reads. I said, babe, I, I've got to increase, you know, when I finished this, the first thing I said was, babe, I got to increase my top 10 uh, to, to top 12 now, I guess, because I've read two books here that just are crushing it. Or I kick out some other people that were in the top 10 and I stay legit to, t- no, let's go with 12. <laughs> it was just kind of a funny moment. All right, now. As I promised before the break, I said, uh, we do this thing called If This Scene Could Talk. So I I will take a scene from a book and uh, I f- forgive me whoever did the audiobook version of this, but this is my my show, my own personal take on it. And uh, I'm going to, this is a reenactment. I'm not doing it live. I pre-recorded it, but it's a very short little three minutes. And this is where I take a scene that's, uh, let's see, it's in part two of the book, chapter 14, where Detective Hannah and his partner out investigating someone who may be uh, fencing stolen goods. Levinson's TV and appliance occupies a cracked sidewalk stretch of a busy street west of downtown. Hannah and Casals stroll in after lunch. The proprietor sits at a desk in the back, surrounded by televisions and stereos. He's balding, his brown hair slicked back. He turns from watching a cowboy movie on Channel 9. His yellow shirt smells of mothballs. Vincent Hanna snaps his fingers. Larry, what do you hear? What do you say? Larry leans back. Casals approaches and sits on the side of his desk and starts poking through his papers, intentionally invading his space. Hanna knows the crew that took the Lincoln Park score stole mounted jewelry. He knows they'll pop the stones out of the settings and lay it all off to one or two fences, one to melt down the gold, maybe another to move the stones. Levinson is the fourth fence they visited today. He laces his hands across his belly, like he's relaxed, but his eyes skip nervously. Hear what, Vincent? About the hole in the ozone layer, cause of methane from cow farts. Hairspray is destroying the planet. Hannah stands in front of the desk. Home invasion crew. He took down a townhouse by Lincoln Park last night. I don't know anything about that. Casals looks over an invoice. Really? It's right in the airwaves on every fucking news channel. Change the channel on some of these crappy TVs you got stacked in here. Middle six figures at wholesale and mounted stones, Anna says. Start calling. See if you can get in on the action fencing the stones. Melt down the settings. Make yourself some dough. Give them a good deal and get tight with them. I don't deal with home invaders. You do now. And you know who does. Anna points at the phone. Dial. After you do good by them, Hannah continues, you're going to shift your ass into Flipomatic and tell me who the fuck they are and what they are taking next. You got that? No answer. Is that clear? He gets into Levinson's face. Am I speaking in tongues? Is English your second fucking language? What are you coming on so strong to me for? Because you are a part of a criminal subculture. You make your living off of crime. And because I am angry, Larry, I want this fucking crew and I'm... Am I making my point? Levinson hesitates, takes the phone, dials, waits. Then, hey, Junior. Yeah. That score that went down? 
No, no, no. On Lincoln Park. That's on a street and you're looking at it. I'll take a piece. He listens. His gaze ping-pongs between Hannah and Casals. Who's putting out the score? Levinson's mouth tightens. All right, let me know if you do. You don't want none? Send it my way. There's a piece in it for you. Levinson hangs up, shrugs. Hannah's already leaving. Over his shoulder. Keep making calls, Larry. I'll be back. Thanks for that. Yeah. I love doing that stuff, so I had to had to play with it. I I, I watched you giggling when I was doing well, I was channeling Al Pacino. That's, no, it's wonderful. <laughs> mm. No, it's just it's always as an author hearing someone else read uh read my words aloud always uh always takes a second to adjust to because I hear it in my own head a certain way and then um having it echo back in someone else's voice is always like wow, does I sound like that or what? But uh, that was great. Yeah. So many little phrases. Flip-domatic. Uh-huh. Hey, what you doing? You know, <laughs> that's one thing Tammy and I are always laughing about. You always know when Al Pacino, he's going to come in there. She's got a great ass, you know, and he <laughs> show, does these big, bold, slap in the face lines. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep, got to throw, got to throw everybody off balance. That's what he's trying to do in all those scenes in a very entertaining way. Yeah. Well, uh, once again, uh, thank you for playing along with that. But I want to ask you as we kind of start to wrap up, what was, and this is such a loaded question, but what was one of your, and I know that you've been at this for two years. So, and I realize the, uh, what can also be, often be tedium of press junkets because you answer the same things over and over, but uh, uh, you always have such a delightful way of making it feel new each time. What was one of the very favorite things about this two-year process for you? Finding out uh, that I could bring my A game every day and that uh, how, how big a swing I could actually take when I was aiming for the fences. That uh, Michael Michael thinks big. His imagination is huge, uh, and his uh, his skill set and experience matches it. And uh, keeping pace with him, and having him offer me the space and the freedom to uh, to look at an idea or a set piece, and let me uh, let me take a take a crack at that. Uh, whether it was a bank tunnel heist or. Uh, uh, a raid on a on a cartel stash house. Um, it was it was fantastic. You know, you referenced uh, Michael Mann's. Uh, that's an excellent answer, by the way. I love the way you really took your moment, uh, your time to think about it, because I feel that with you. The chase, not the chase scenes. There's a couple of shootout scenes, and the way those are written, and and. To be able to strip down paragraphs to just bullet points of direction makes those scenes so powerful and so quick. And you really feel like you're sitting there watching the movie in your brain. And, oh, God. Well, thank you. Because writing the story so that readers can see it and feel it is uh, that's what we were aiming for. Yeah. We want it to hit. We want it to land. And uh, if it did, I'm thrilled. 
Yeah. Well, it drops on the 9th. This show drops on the 11th. You'll be a couple of days into it by then. I cannot imagine this thing not flying off the shelves. Uh, I, I think readers will love it. So uh, go out and grab yourself a copy. <laughs> or two. <laughs> or ten. Yeah. Or ten. <laughs> All right. B- before we get to rapid fire questions, which, you know, we'd always like to wrap up the show with, I do have that one uh, question. You've kind of referred to it a little bit in your uh, explanations by way of how your process is. But uh, I always like to end with that question for especially prolific authors as yourself. What is that single best piece of advice for my listeners who enjoy the show and are trying to figure out oh, I want to be an aspiring writer. I want to make it in this business. What would that piece of advice be? The first piece of advice that was given to me when I decided I wanted to write a suspense novel uh, by a by an experienced mystery novelist, uh, create sympathetic characters and put them in jeopardy. The- <laughs> Don't just don't just faff around uh, with the interior monologue or describing people's lives. Uh, have something happen. Have 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 characters that uh, the readers are going to care about. They don't have to be likable characters. They have to be fascinating. Have to be people we want to spend time with and are concerned for, and then uh, make their world uh, unsettled and dangerous. Yeah. So well put. And, you know, even even with some of the bad guys, you still I mean, I remember back when I watched Heat the first time, you're rooting for the bad guys, which tells me that the writer crafted a character that I really am invested in. And even though I don't like what he's doing, I like his humanity. And that's exactly. what. I'm, yeah. 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 So that's powerful. <laughs> And it's so funny, uh, Meg, as you know, the show now into its second year, I've read a lot of books over that time. And um, I told Tammy the other day, I said, you know, one of my favorite things about this show, besides being able to hang out and develop friendships with people like yourself, is that I feel like I've taken a master class. I have a front row seat to a master class by the greatest writers in the world. And I'm through, what's the word, assimilation? Uh, when you just subconsciously pull it mm-hmm. in, you are, I'm, I'm able to uh, not only decipher what is excellent or good or bad, but it just kind of, it, it super hones your vision and your acuity to what works. And I think it goes back to something maybe Stephen King said, you would probably know this better than I about, you know, if you're, you're not a great writer, if you're not a great reader. And so if you're not constantly reading, you'll never really be a great writer, something to that effect. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway. All right. Short and sweet rapid fire questions. Yeah. She always, this is not jeopardy. This is way easier. <laughs> Don't have a clicker. <laughs> so you and hubby Paul are set to get away on an exotic getaway after your crushing press junket on heat two. It's a two part question. Where would that no holds barred, all expenses paid location be? I'm paying for everything. You just, whatever it is you want to do. And number two, what's the single most important thing you will be doing on that vacation? Uh, we, we're going to Phuket, Thailand. Um, uh, and we're going to be um, eating ourselves into a coma <laughs> with the... <laughs> A fantastic food on the beach with the absolutely crystalline blue waters of the Andaman Sea and the um, 
the the velvet sunsets of uh, of the tropics and uh, those uh, those cool breezes and we're going to just let it all go now you said that as though you're actually going to do it so this is really going to happen why not okay, we've, been, good, we've, good. Been, we've been before and <laughs> okay. we'd love to go back yes <laughs> all right all right, you and Paul have been invited to join me and Tammy, along with our friends, our mutual friends, Don and Jean Winslow, to celebrate your recent success here at a small dinner party at our home in Encinitas. So we have all the Sancerre wine and fabulous food because you turned me on to that. Oh. I'd never heard about it. So after we had a conversation, but I went and got some and I'm like, babe, this is the best wine I've ever had in my life. <laughs> now I know why Meg loves it. Anyway, I digress. So we have all that and everything you can enjoy. So all we ask is that you bring two more people to round out the party. All right. So there's going to be uh, two or six of us. Who would you bring? They can be living or past. I just like to know kind of who you'd like to see round out our big party. Oh my goodness. I know it's a tough one. Oh, this is much tougher. <laughs> I haven't been thinking about uh, uh, dinner party guests. <laughs> We've been through COVID who had dinner parties. <laughs> We've forgotten how to socialize. Um, we know how to dinner party. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll bring uh, Stephen and Tabitha King. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Because you probably could make that happen. All right, all right. Uh, here's a here's a third one. Loaded question. I realize. Uh, let's just assume Michael Mann comes to you and says, "Hey, Meg, help me do one more thing before you go. Help me choose who's going to play both Vincent Hanna and Chris Shaherlis in the movie Heat Two. Who would you pick? Let's pretend you could. That's a dirty, that's a trick, dirty trick of a question. And if you think I'm going to step on Michael Mann's toes with, by offering a suggestion, <laughs> nice try, Dave. Well, uh, I just, well I will let me give you the answer that, that uh, Al Pacino gave tongue in cheek, but it, it, it made the news at that Tribeca screening. Uh, uh, someone, someone said he too is, uh, is coming. If the film gets made, who would you like to see play a young Vincent Hanna? And Pacino had the audience eating out of his hand already. Sure. And he said, Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, everybody laughed softly and he, he shrugged and, and, and had this little, this little chuckle and a grin. And of course it was on the Today Show the next morning. Yeah. Pacino wants Chalamet to play Vincent Hanna. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And on a side tangent, along with that, did you see um, 60 Minutes? I think it was this past weekend about the, um, what's it called when you get the f deep fake? I did not see that episode. Okay, so they, you, you've seen the deep fake Tom Cruise thing on social media, right? <clears throat> so they are talking about being able to create deep fakes in the future so good that you could take an Al Pacino and make him look like he did at uh, Goodfellas time and, and, and be in the movie for the entire thing all in, uh, synthetic. I don't I think. Well, that, that, I think there's more likelihood that, that uh, as a thriller writer, I would say it's more likely that uh, nefarious types would try to to use that against public figures. But uh, as uh, every movie is made, people love love the actors of the moment and of the of the generation uh, wherever they are. So we're yeah. going to have plenty of uh, plenty of opportunities. I think but so. I expect some nefarious shenanigans coming down the pike. And that was in the show as well. Okay, very last one, and this is just kind of out there. Finish this sentence for me. In my next life, I want to return as. 
Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done. (laughs) Folks, to learn more, do me a favor. Visit MegGardner.com. Follow her on Twitter at MegGardner1. Of course, pick up a copy of Heat 2. You will not be disappointed in any way, shape, or form. I can tell you that. Thank you, Dave. This has been... Like it's any big surprise, this was going to be fantastic. It was, uh, it exceeded it robustly. Yes, been absolutely delightful. All right. Well, um, next time I see you, I'm going to get you to sign this puppy. And uh, one of these days, maybe I can see Michael. I get him to add to that because uh, that would be uh, pretty amazing. And I cannot wait to see what happens with the movie. Now, I know, uh, where did, did I see that also on CBS about Michael's, uh, Working on the Ferrari movie. So, I, you know, there was little rumblings of that being on the plate for next. I tell you, he has ambitions. That's what I was going to say. That's the thing I admire most. What is he, 74? 79. And Seven. this is his first novel. He's, uh, he's, he's moving into new arenas at a, an extremely high level. Uh, so there's, there's some goals for us all to aspire to. Don't you love that? 79, and I'm going to write my first book-ish and make another movie and keep on going. I just, I I love that. That's amazing. Absolutely. All right, Meg, I, I'm, I don't want to cruise through all your day, so thank you again. Have a lovely day. We will see you very soon. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Say hi to Tammy. I'll do that. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Dave. Yeah. Once again, a huge thank you to Meg Gardner and her book, Heat 2, for showing up on the Thriller Zone today. I cannot say enough good about it. It's that good. I also want to say a thank you to Shane Salerno of The Story Factory for helping put that together. How about next Monday? Yes, a bonus edition on the show. Kelly J. Ford, the book is Real Bad Things. (laughs) Let me tell you something. This is full of real bad things. And having grown up in the South, uh, I can relate to a lot of it. Well, except murder, because I haven't really killed anybody yet. And then next Thursday, one week from today, this guy's been on my radar for, I don't know, six months. Um, I've tried to get him on the show. He's been too busy writing other books. Then I bumped into him at Thriller Fest of this year. And uh, he finally said, yeah, Nick Petrie has a new book called The Runaway. It's a Peter Ash novel, and he's going to be on the show one week from today. Before I go, real quick, want to say thank you to AuthorBytes.com for building my website and the websites of many other writers who want to stand out from the crowd. Number two, thank you to Warwick's Bookstores at Warwick's.com, who is a prime sponsor. We love them. And as you can see, Meg said she loved them too. (laughs) It's endorsed twice over, but thank you for that, for believing in our show. Also, a little bit of business here. If you could do me a favor, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the thriller zone. All right, real easy. Push the little red button, hit the little bell if you want it to uh, send you a notice that the new episode is dropped. Also, we love these reviews. Please feel free to review us wherever you hear us on your podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, you know the works. You know you know where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just do us a favor, leave us a review. It really does help in ways that you have no idea how it does, but it does. All right. I guess I'm ready to do so. I'm your host, David Temple. I'm going to bow out. I'll see you next time for another exciting edition of The Thriller Zone. 
The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.